0: Good morning. I'll be glad when no more masks. I was just thinking well, there, I'm I'm going to have to wear a mask for about 18 hours, and I thought I really don't like that. <laughs> but um, there, at the airports and and on the planes. I can take it off for a sip and I have to put it back on again for this prayer. Lord, whatever tiny inconvenience we have, is nothing compared to the great sacrifice your son Jesus endured that we might have life. And we want to be grateful today for the wonderful things that you've done. For all the years you've blessed us, and you continue to bless us, and you're going to continue to bless us. No matter what challenges we face, the truth is, is that you are in control. You're going to do everything for our good, because we love you, and we're called according to your purposes. May you anoint me that I would speak that which is from your heart, Lord God. That there would be something specific for each one to take away with them to bless them, and through them, Lord, to bless others. And we give you thanks for this in Jesus' name. Amen. What was Jesus thinking as he rode in Jerusalem that Sunday morning? His disciples and the multitude waving palm branches, laying their clothes in the road before him, singing praises to the Son of David. Was he thinking that in a few days some of the very ones that were loudly praising him would soon be crying out with others, crucify him, before Pilate? What was he thinking when the religious leaders told him to stop the people from praising him? He knew they were only thinking about themselves, pretending to be concerned about God's honor. But they were really only jealous of the multitude's attention to Jesus. What could he do? If he stopped them from praising, the rocks would cry out. What was Jesus thinking when he went into the temple and saw the place crowded and noisy with money changers and these selling, those selling animals for sacrifices? He was angry that these who supposedly loved God had desecrated his father's house turning it into a den of thieves instead of a house of prayer. So he turned over their tables and drove them out. What was he thinking? What was Jesus thinking at the meal with Simon the leper a few days before Passover? Let me read Matthew 26, 6-13. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume and poured it over his head. The disciples were indignant when they saw this. What a waste, they said. It could have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, replied, Why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. She has poured this perfume on me to prepare my body for burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. What was Jesus thinking as the fragrance of that extravagant act of worship filled the room? knowing what it would cost that woman, yet the disciples didn't get it. They were totally clueless as to what was really happening around them. What was Jesus thinking as they sat around the upper room, the last time they'd be together for a Passover meal? He already washed their feet, though they didn't understand, but would someday. They were wondering what was really going on. They were anxious about what the Lord was telling them. He knew Judas was trying to figure out how to excuse himself to get away to betray him. What was Jesus thinking as he reminded them that this was it? What he had been telling them for ages, that he must lay down his life, that one of them would betray him and the rest of them would flee in fear. What was he thinking when he handed around the bread and the wine, representing his body and blood? In a few hours, he'd be hanging on the cross, naked, tortured, racked with pain, taking upon himself our sin and shame. What was Jesus thinking? Maybe he was thinking of the words from John 3:16 and 17. For this is how God so loved the world. He gave his one and only son. So that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world. But to save the world through him. Or maybe he was thinking about Hebrews 12 too. Because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross. Disregarding the shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. Was he thinking that it would be worth all the lies against him, as well as the humiliation and death for the joy set before him, knowing it would offer a way of hope for mankind and please Father God? What was Jesus thinking? Could he have been thinking of his words to his distressed and confused disciples recorded in John 14? Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way where I'm going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going. So how could we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Or maybe he was thinking of what he cried to the Father in John 17. Praying that his disciples and believers today would love one another, that we would be one as he and the Father were one. A lot was happening that week, both in the natural world and in the heavenlies. Satan and the religious leaders were confident they had finally found a way to get rid of Jesus once and for all. But God was just using them to fulfill his plan. To reconcile man back to himself. Meanwhile Jesus was thinking of the father as he cried out in great anguish in the garden of Gethsemane. As the disciples slept. Not my will but yours be done Jesus cried. And he was thinking of me and you. And every man woman and child who desperately needed the life and forgiveness. His suffering and death on that cross secured. I wonder if Jesus was thinking of why we're so slow to understand why he came or fully realize what he accomplished for us through his death and resurrection. Why we act as victims instead of the more than conquerors he made us when he overcame at the cross. For over 2,000 years, believers have been remembering what happened so long ago. To many, it's just a yearly tradition that goes along with handing out Easter eggs and having special services. You know, it's easy to get into a routine, isn't it? just becomes life, even church, just becomes a routine. It's what we always done. To others, the significance of that week still grips them, knowing where we'd be if Jesus hadn't given his life that we might live. We won't know all that Jesus was thinking during that first week before his resurrection until heaven. What we do know for sure is two things. First, he was thinking of Father God and his will. Except for those few agonizing moments in the Garden of Gethsemane when he asked the Father if possible to remove the cup from him. But then he cried, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus always sought and did the Father's will. We know that in the scripture it says that even as a 12-year-old boy, he had to be about his Father's business. He was always thinking of the Father. Second, he was thinking of us. in every man, woman, and child who doesn't yet know him. We are still in his thoughts. As he has gone to prepare a place for us. And as scripture says, he's interceding for us always. He promised not to leave us as orphans, but to be with us by his spirit until the end of the age. And he has given us his Holy Spirit to equip and empower us to be his witnesses. So what does all this have to do with you and me right now? It's what Jesus made clear through his example and what the Apostle Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to, Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We're called to have the same attitude Jesus had no matter what we face. Loving God, loving one another, and reaching out with love and the good news about Jesus to those around us who don't yet know. Doing this honors him and the sacrifice he made for us. It also reveals to others that our remembrance at Easter is not a religious routine, but a celebration of the greatest gift of all, eternal life, reconciled to Father God for ourselves and others because of the sacrifice that Jesus made at the cross. Jesus was thinking of us as he rode into Jerusalem that Sunday over 2,000 years ago. He knew exactly what he would face, enduring the shame, torture, and death to do the Father's will and give us life. As we remember what Jesus did, may we now think of him to do his will. Then think of how we can share this wonderful good news with others. Let's pray. Lord, we don't think of you as often as we should. We get so distracted by this world we're in and distracted by our own desires. Lord, I thank you that you didn't get distracted when you came. You knew why you came and you just did it. Enduring the shame, the humiliation, the lies, the torture and the death that we might have life. I pray you'd give us a fresh revelation of just what you've done, thinking of us, that we might think of you more, that we might think of those people out there that don't yet know, loved ones, neighbors, strangers, people at the shops, people that we see every day, Lord. May we think of you and think of them, Lord God. And may that motivate us to live a life that would honor you, and would be a witness to draw many people to you. Lord help us. You know our weakness at time. We pray that you'd fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. To empower us. To motivate us Lord. That we would be the shining light you want us to be. And in then and everything Lord. That we might glorify and honor you. Thank you Father God. Thank you Lord Jesus. Amen.